Uh, this morning we're going to have a little bit uh, different order. I'm going to actually go to the Word right now, so I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians in the first chapter. 2 Corinthians in the first chapter. We want to consider this morning verses 3 and 4 of 2 Corinthians. Let's have a word of prayer together, all right? Lord, we just want to thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that teaches us. I pray that we will be engaged this morning in what you have for us uh, concerning comfort, something that we all uh, hopefully are thankful for when it's there. I pray that um, we would recognize this morning uh, when we leave here that you have provided so much for us as believers in the area of being comforted uh, in the trials and the struggles and the tribulations of this life. And so we just pray that your spirit would be our teacher in Christ's name. Amen. I think I left my clicker. Thank you, Emily. All right, I'm going to need my clicker. You know, in life, um, there are broken hearts, right? If you can identify with these, I think you'll be able to. In life, there are broken hearts, there are broken homes, and there seems to be a lot of broken homes uh, today. Loss of family, loss of jobs, loss of friends, not to mention uh, the physical and emotional and spiritual stresses that come up in our life. We have physical stresses, we have emotional stresses, we have um, spiritual stress. In fact, did you know that at the end of, it said that at the end of C.H. Spurgeon's life, he dealt with severe depression. When you think about C.H. Spurgeon, you think of a great theologian. But we don't forget he was a man, right? He was a man. And he had emotions that he dealt with. He had hardships that he dealt with. And all of us in this life have hardships that we deal with. And the question becomes, you know, how do we deal with them? You know, how do you handle, how, how do I handle the hurdles, the heartaches in this life? Um, I want you to listen to this man's testimony uh, of the heartaches um, that he had. There was turmoil in this man's life. I just want you to listen to the turmoil uh, of this man. He says, are they servants of Christ? I'm more so. In far more labors, in far more imprisonments, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Now you stop there and you go, well, that's pretty huge. But then it continues. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, 
dangers among false brethren. Wow, let's quit. That's a lot to deal with. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights. I was going to make a comment about that. You know, when, when you're young, as teenagers, you just sleep and sleep and sleep. Right, you remember those days? Those of you who are a little older? Right, I remember you used to sleep. Man, it was nothing to sleep until noon, right? But as you get older, what happens? You see life. And there's a lot of hard things to deal with in life. And the question becomes, you know, how do we deal with these things in life? He says, I have many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And then he says, apart from such external things, there's the daily pressure upon me of concern for all the churches. Now, when you read about that testimony of the Apostle Paul, how many of you would want to say, hey, look, man, if you want to quit, that's okay. Right? In fact, if you went to some counselors and, and he shared that, imagine him sharing that with a modern-day counselor. Well, man, you need to adjust your life. Don't you know it's all about you? And all about being comfortable. And yet, the testimony of this man at the end of his life was, I finished the course. <laughs> the course isn't easy. The course is often fraught with danger. It's often fraught in our lives with trials and tribulations. Until they come up, we've never thought about them. We've even never thought they were possible. Um, I remember when my mom was first diagnosed with cancer. I mean, I've been to the hospital numerous times. I've been in about every situation that you could face in going to a hospital and seeing people who are really, really, really sick, really, really, really hurting, and, and it was like, all of a sudden, when the doctor said, hey, you have cancer to my mom, it was like, whoa, that's close to home, right? It, it, the, the, when the turmoil's out here, it's one thing, but when it's close to us, it's quite another. You think about the heartache that many parents go through and when they feel like they're losing their children. Well, this same man understood something very important. And I want you to leave with us today. It's found in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians. He knew the comforter. Right? He knew the comforter and he knew where the comfort came from. And he also knew the purpose. If you want to give an outline to verses uh, 3 and 4... This is what I would say to you. That verse 3 and the first part of verse 4 is about Paul's testimony of a God who is not only merciful, but a God who comforts. And then the last part of verse 4, he gives to you the purpose. What's the purpose? Right? It's not, listen, how many of you enjoy the comfort that the Lord gives? Absolutely, we enjoy that individually. But that comfort that we receive from God, this is a strange thought when you're reading these verses in one sense, but it's for a reason. And the reason is so that you can minister to others in the body who are hurting. 
<laughs> that, that just sounds crazy because isn't it all about me? Isn't it all about God comforting Thad who's walking down this road of trial and struggle? That's all I really care about, right? It's all about me. Well, that's not it at all. In fact, when I'm walking through the trials and struggles of life, I'm able to say, my Lord gives me comfort. And I'm going to share some practical ways he does that at the end of the message. He does that. He gives us comfort. But that comfort, according to the Apostle Paul, is for a purpose. <laughs> this is crazy. And it involves the body of Christ. Um, do you know that in these verses 3 through 7 of this particular chapter, Paul mentions the word comfort at least nine times. Now, some translations have it as much as ten times, where he mentions that one word, comfort. Would you say if we went out and just questioned an audience of a hundred people, that one of the greatest desires that the people would have would be to be comfort, comforted or comfortable? Absolutely. They're going to say, I want to be comforted. I want to be comfortable. I don't like being uneasy. I don't like all the struggles and the trials that this life presents. Well, I'm not crazy about it. But I know this, and Paul knew. I have one that's more than capable of comforting me. Listen to his, his words. Look what it says in verse 3. He gives us in verse 3, in the first part of verse 4, his testimony about God the Father. Notice he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, in all our stresses, in all our trials, in all our troubles. Is there one person in this room who hasn't been through a trial or a struggle? Raise your hand, because you need to teach this. Right? We've all been there. Notice this, who comforts us in all our affliction. So that was Paul's testimony. I serve a God who comforts me in all these things. And a God who, and this is very important here, and a God who does not always deliver me necessarily from the trial and the tribulation. In fact, do you know he says that in this testimony in Second Corinthians, same book, chapter 12, where the context is the thorn of the flesh. And the Bible tells us, Paul said he had a thorn in the flesh. This messenger from Satan that was tormenting him. And what does he do? He prays. He beseeches the Lord. He begs him. He doesn't just beg him once. He doesn't beg him twice. How many times does he beg? He begs him three times for deliverance. And what does the Lord tell him? My grace is sufficient for you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Sometimes it's not always that the Lord is going to take us out of that. But isn't it true that in the greatest heartaches of life, there's the greatest lessons that we learn about our God. Um, I have this question for you. Where do you find comfort in times of despair and heartache? Well, notice what Paul says. Who comforts? Notice that pronoun. Does he say me? What's the word? Us. He comforts us in all of our affliction. So my question to you this morning is, where do you find comfort in times of heartache and despair? 
Now the second part of that verse, he gives the purpose. Notice he says, who comforts us in all our affliction, why? Well, he tells us, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in, in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. There's a purpose. So I, I, I'm going through something in my life and, and, I, and I receive the comfort of the Lord and it's there for me to be able to share the testimony of what God can do in your life when you're going through a, tr- a, str- a trial or a struggle, right? And so I have to be, if I'm going to do that, if I'm going to say, hey, look, part of this is not only that I know that comfort's there from the Father, but what does that comfort that I've been provided with, what should I do with that? According to this verse, right? According to this verse, the purpose is that I would go out and comfort others. And I'm going to tell you something, and you're probably not going to like it, but it'll be all right. You'll get over it by the picnic. In order to comfort others, we have to pay attention. Are you listening to me? In order to cover others, in order to encourage others, comfort others, we have to pay attention. Listen, I was probably growing up one of the the most shy individuals there was. I took a speech class in in high school and didn't even recognize that I was going to even be speaking in front of people. Um, I remember the girl in front of me, she said, hey, I asked her, I said, what's this speech class about? She said, well, you're going to stand up and speak. I said, well, I'm not doing that. And I was only, I was consumed in my world. It was all about me. And I grew up and a lot of that was the same in my life. And I remember sitting in in church and and thinking, man, I don't want, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. And then that's the temptation, isn't it? The temptation is to say, I'm not going to be involved in that person's life. But the reality of it is, and guys, I was thinking about this congregation. There's a lot of hurt in this congregation. There's a lot of suffering, a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations. Well, you go, well, Thad, that's your job. You're responsible to sit with everybody. Well, is that what the book says? No, the book doesn't say that. It's not just my responsibility. I have responsibility as a believer. As a believer. It's not always comfortable to be involved in people's lives when they're going through pain and heartache. I can tell you that. Well... Again, the question, where do you find comfort in times of despair and heartache? Paul gives testimony that God's the one that comforts. And he gives them purpose. He says, look, he comforts us so that we comfort others. But do you know, some find comfort in alcohol. You know, when there's turmoil or trouble, they go to the bottle. We all know people that have done that. Some find comfort in alcohol, drugs, other addictive behaviors so they don't have to do what? Why do they go there? Why do they go there? So they don't have to face the reality of the problem. I may not like that my child is being rebellious, but I don't need to be involved in an addictive behavior in order to remove that. Because once I'm sober, guess what? That problem's still there. Well, Paul's testimony was that God was the one who comforts. I want to give you the definition of the word comfort. Um, 
Ah. My definition, comfort means to come alongside and support. It means to help or it means to strengthen. Now, do you see that, that little, that first part of the definition, the reason I underscored it there in bold, to come alongside? Because if you're going to come alongside and comfort someone, again, it means we have to be attentive to what's going on in their lives. I mean, how many times have you stopped yourself from dialing a number going, mm, I just don't want to be involved in that, when you know that person's hurting? And here's the thing, you know, can I encourage you in this? Dial that number, write that card. Because at the end of the day, the Lord, I want you to hear this, the Lord is the one that is going to use you to comfort that person. It's not going to be you. It's going to be the Lord working through you. And, and, you, and, and here's the arguments. Well, I just can't do it. Great. That's the first thing you need to recognize. You can't do it. I mean, I've sat with people in hospital rooms and thought, what in the world am I going to say to these people? Can I encourage you that you don't always have to say something? In fact, the best thing you can do, if you go to a hospital room and you just don't know what to say, well, don't say anything. You know, give them a hug and pray with them and leave. They'll remember that. God uses that stuff. You've been strengthened and encouraged by things like that. So by definition, the Lord, this is what the Lord does. He comes alongside of us and he, he supports us. He helps us. He strengthens us. And we do the same with others. I don't know who to give this credit to, but this was the quote. Many think that when God comforts us, our hardships should go away. <laughs> uh, but I just gave you an illustration about Paul and his life. Christians must understand that comfort can also mean encouragement, strength, and hope to deal with the hardships of life. And I watched my mom go through all that. I watched that right in my house. I mean, she went through a hard time. It's hard to watch somebody die in your presence. That's hard to do. Many of you, I'm sure, have done that with your parents. You've taken care of them. And you watch that process, and that process is hard. And the cancer didn't go away. But you know what? At the end of the day, there was relief for my mom. Did you know that? At the end of the day, there was relief. And you know how that relief came? The Lord took her to be with him. It's not always an escape here. But guys, the encouraging part is one day we are going to escape all this trial and tribulation and suffering. The Lord's going to come get us. Well, it's important to know that what is true of the Father is true of the Son. So I wanted to give you a couple of examples, right? Um, the Son comforts. There's a verse in 1 John. I put the Hebrews passage there. You can look that up later. Um, I think it's a good passage to look at. But I want to concentrate on the 1 John 2 passage. He, he, he says, My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Who's the advocate? Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the advocate. Well, do you know what that word advocate means? It means one called alongside to help. That's what 
defines the Father and the Son. Right? They're one in essence. Um, the term advocate is a legal term. And the idea of the term is one who pledges, uh, pleads another's case or another's cause. One who comforts, one who prays for another. That's the spiritual meaning, right? And who does that for us? The Bible tells us that the Son does that. He's our advocate. Um, also, what's true of the Son is true of the Spirit. I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. All right, turn with me to John chapter 14. So what's true of the Father is true of the Son. What's true of the Son is what's true of the Spirit. I wanted to show you, in this context, you know that the disciples are struggling. They're struggling. They're having a difficult time. Why are they having a difficult time? Do you know? Somebody tell me. Why are they having a difficult time? Christ is leaving them. Right? They're anxious. They're troubled. In fact, in verse 1 of chapter 14, he says, Let not your, plural, heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And so he, he comforts them by telling them what's coming. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so then there's this dialogue between Thomas and the Lord. And verse 4 says, And you know the way where I'm going. Thomas said, to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Now look at these words. He who has seen me has what? Seen the Father. How do you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am, the fa I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I shall do, he shall also do. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. Now look at this, verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Look at verse 16. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper. That he may be what? With you how long? Forever. That word another is a very important word in the Greek language. There are times when another means another of a different kind. But that's not the case here. 
You know what the word another means in this case? It means another of the same kind. Okay? In other words, the Spirit is of the same essence as the Father and the Son. So what is the Lord Jesus telling them? I'm going to be with you. That's what he's telling them. I'm going to be with you. That's the comfort that they needed. He repeats himself in verse 26 and then in chapter 15 and verse 26. So I want to ask you before we we sing a few songs this morning. I want to ask you, how are Christians comforted? You know, if comfort is so important, and it is. It is. There are people maybe right now in this congregation who are going through a trial or a tribulation or, or struggling with something, and you're looking for that comfort. Guys, I'm here to tell you, the only comfort that's lasting that you're ever going to find is in the Lord. Here's some practical ways that I believe Christians are comforted. Uh, You do your own devotional. I was going to put some uh, verses up here. I thought, nah, this will give them something to do during the week. All right? How are Christians comforted? Let me give you some practical ways that we're comforted. First of all, we're comforted by feeding on the Word of God. My friends, listen to me. We have to eat it. Eat it every day. It puts life in perspective. And what, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that there was a whole lot of suffering in the Old Testament. A whole lot of suffering in the New Testament. And there's still a lot of suffering today. And you know what it's consistent with? If you belong to the Lord, you're going to suffer. That's the bottom line. That's what Romans says. Romans chapter 8 tells us that. So we have to feed on the Word of God. You know, you think about the, one of the, the most well-known passages in all the Bible, Psalm 23. What does David say in that psalm? Thy rod and thy staff, they what? Comfort me. <laughs> and by the way, comforting is not always easy because sometimes comforting requires the discipline of the Lord in our lives. But you go study that, right? You find the verses, you come teach me one day. Come in my office. I'm more than willing to sit down. I want to know. So you look it up today. Secondly, by giving our burdens to him. That's how we're comforted. Man, listen, I, got, I have so many illustrations in my life. When I haven't done that, we'd be here all afternoon. You know, and I think for some reason, it seems to be that Christian women seem to do that better than Christian men. Now, you can agree with me or disagree. That's just an opinion. But giving our burdens to him and letting him handle it. (laughs) I remember when my mom first got sick, I was going to handle everything. And then it didn't take long into it, and I realized I'm not going to handle a thing. Can't handle it. Guys, listen, you can't handle the burdens in the Christian life by yourself. You know, cast all your care upon what? Him for he what? Cares for you. And, and I've heard people you know, say before, well, Dad, this is just a small thing. Listen to me. Aren't you glad that God sees all things in our life? Right? And I know some who have, I've counseled in the past, well, Dad, I keep bringing the same thing to the Lord. Okay. Well, you know what? The disciples had bad habits about that too. But we have to feed on the word. We have to give our burdens to him. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 would be a good verse. That's cheating. I'm giving you one. 
by trusting the Lord. Wow, I had a verse with one of the kids this week, and and it wasn't the verse that talks about that his uh, word is a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path, but it was the same kind of thought process. And 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 so I'm sharing with these fifth grade kids. I said, you know, if you're on this path, and and I said, and it is, a, and and you're you're walking. And I said, you want to be able to see in the distance, but all you have is a lamp. What's the lamp going to do? And one of the kids said, well, it's going to help you to see what's in front of you. So that's right. That's, what's, that's what the Word does, right? But we have to trust the Lord. We have to trust Him completely. We have to give it to Him. So provide some verses for me. Tell me where you found them. This is a really difficult one. But it goes hand in hand with the trusting by resting in the Lord. How many of you have ever, um, and I know, you know we don't like to talk about experience a whole lot. I mean, I, I'm one of those that lands on objective truth, but there is a subjective life. So there's a life, I have feelings, I'm a human being. But have you ever had that moment in your life where you said, man, I'm truly resting in the Lord? Have you experienced that? Where you're like, man, I am resting in the Lord. Uh, I have a thought on that, that resting in the Lord requires trusting Him and giving Him our burdens and staying focused in the Word. My thoughts. Last one. We're comforted by sharing our burdens with the body of Christ. Again, I would say that this is probably a little bit easier for women to do than it is for men. Um, But... I will tell you that men have burdens just like women have burdens. And it's important that we share these burdens with one another. I want to just give you a closing illustration. Um, There was a man named Booth Tucker. Any of you ever heard of Booth Tucker? He was a senior Salvation Army officer in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. He was the son-in-law of General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. And there's a story told of him in relationship to what we're discussing this morning, and I thought, man, it's so appropriate. One night while conducting an evangelistic meeting in the Salvation Army Citadel in Chicago, Booth Tucker preached on the sympathy of Jesus. After his message, a man approached him and said, If your wife had just died like mine has, and your babies were crying for their mother, who would never come back, you wouldn't be saying what you're saying. (laughs) Tragically, a few days later, Tucker's wife was killed in a train wreck. Her body was brought to Chicago and carried to the same citadel for the funeral. After the service, the bereaved preacher looked down into the silent face of his wife and then turned to those attending and said these words. The other day, a man told me I wouldn't speak of the sympathy of Jesus if my wife had just died. If that man is here, I want to tell him that Christ is sufficient. My heart is broken, but it has a song put there by Jesus I want that man to know that Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone speaks comfort to me today. (laughs) Wow, 
Imagine delivering that message and then having that man come to you and then all of a sudden that same thing is going on in your life. Guys, I don't know if you're sitting here today and you're going, hey, Thad, I really don't have issues going on. Just wait, you will. There's a, I'll tell you this in closing, there's a, a road in the state of Arkansas between Russellville and Russellville, Arkansas and Hot Springs, Arkansas. And you know what they call that road? They call it a pig trail. You know what a pig trail is, right? And so it's about 50-something miles from Russellville to Hot Springs. But if you drive that road, it is literally like this. All the way from Russellville to Hot Springs. And you don't know what's around the next corner. You literally don't know. And when you think there's a straightaway, well, there's not. There's another turn and another turn and another turn. Guys, listen to me. In the Christian life, there are turns. And we don't know what's around the next turn. But I've got good news for you. If you're in Christ, you know who's around the next turn. And that's the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word and for the comfort that you give us in times of trial and tribulation, struggles, things that go on that are outside of our control. And I just pray that we would learn to rest in you, that we would accept the comfort that you give us, that we would use these practical things we've talked about this morning and implement them in our lives. And don't wait till the trial's there to do it. But start today in your word, studying your word, getting to know you better. And as we do that, Lord, we're going to know how much you love us. And we're going to know how much you want us to give you the burdens of our lives. And we're going to know how trustworthy you are. And we're going to know that we can rest in you. And then all of that's going to encourage us so much that when we see other brothers and sisters in Christ going through difficulties, we'll be able to come alongside of them and encourage them. Help us never to lose sight, never lose sight, that you're the head of the church. We're the body of Christ. Each one of us are uniquely different. Each one of us have different struggles and trials. But Lord... You want us to minister to one another. So I pray that we would see that and encourage one another through the difficulties and the struggles of life. Thank you, Lord, to know that at the end of the trail, just like it was for my mom, everyone in Christ, it'll be the same. We pass from this life instantaneously. We're in your presence. Thank you so much for the comfort you provide. In Christ's name, amen.